0: Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to an amazing episode. We got another veteran in the house Um, and actually, I mean, I should be sitting at attention, if not standing at attention, because (laughs) if we were in service, every time I passed by my now brother, I would have to salute him. I would have to stop in my tracks. Put my hand up until he responded back and saluted me back for me to continue my day uh so everybody please join me and welcome in welcoming a real hero that's serious a real hero and major brad gallup how you doing sir
1: i'm doing good rob thank you so much for the, that kind invitation and uh introduction and yeah uh, you believe me it's been almost 20 years now i can't believe it and uh but yeah, I still, it's still part of me, you know, it's still, it still always will be part of me. That,
0: yeah, that I'm things. pretty sure that's the Marine in you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know. But I got,
0: I got plenty of questions about that. But with such a unique background, I want to give you a chance to kind of, you set the tone. Uh, with, with, how would you describe Brad, Major, Major Gallup, you know, BG, whatever you call yourself, how would you, <laughs> you know, describe yourself in the way that you show up in the world?
1: It's a great question. I love it um, right off the bat. You know, I'm. <laughs> you know, I. I'll just be honest. You know, my, my discovery into trying to discover who I truly am. You know, started almost 30 years ago when I got back from the Gulf War, and. Uh, you know, I was in the Air Force. I was a first lieutenant at the time. Was over in Saudi and didn't see things like the, the Marines in the Army did, but. We took scud attacks. We take sappers trying to throw things over the fences to get at the aircraft, and and I thought that was fine until, you know, I went back home five months later. You know, I got promoted. I got the number one squadron in the wing. I'm the number one maintenance officer in the complex. And, um, you know, on a Sunday afternoon, my wife and my three-year-old daughter were gone, and I found myself upstairs in our bedroom with my Remington 12-gauge 870 model shotgun. Um, with the barrel to my throat and the stock on the ground. And I was slowly reaching down for the trigger. And I, I, I didn't realize I was tranced. I was, I've been in so much pain that I didn't know that I didn't know I was in, that I was in this trance. And my dad used to teach me how to wipe down this barrel with something called Hoppy's number no. nine gun oil. It's a linseed oil. It smell. It's very strong. And it broke me out of the trance. Wow. And I went, I got a holy moly, I I'm I'm in serious trouble. And I'll never forget putting that loaded 12 gauge on the bed and saying, I I've got I've got to get some help. And so, you know, I did what I told my troops not to do. I went downtown on my own. I didn't tell anybody. And I found a really good therapist and I started the work. And that was, you know, it was 1991. So that was, you know, a ways back there. So that became this whole journey of me trying to discover who I really was underneath this uniform. And uh, this, you know, both as an enlisted Marine for four years and then as an aircraft maintenance officer for the Air Force when I ended up with 17 years of service. Um, And that, you know, I did a lot of that journey while I was on active duty, didn't tell people. Um, Did a lot of therapy. Um, I did a lot of um, grief work. I got into that with, TAPS, Tragedy System Program Survivors, I stumbled into that and I started working with teenagers that lost military, most of them lost their dads, and um, helped stand that program up there, Good Grief Camp, I helped stand that up in 97 with uh, Judy Matheson, Major Judy Matheson, and that's now a very powerful program, part of TAPS, Um, and then in in 95 I discovered Men's Work too, men's leadership. And I did that for almost 24 years. Well, wow. a lot of that was on active duty, but there was something kind of like I was still searching for. And I think it was just understanding of something spiritual that I just couldn't in the work, put my words to it. Yeah. And I hope this is kind of what you're looking for, Rob. This is kind of a, a place of where I'm trying to get to this discovery, but, and I also got into horsework. I mean, there was another thing that I in 20 uh, in 2003, I got into equine work. I really wanted this thing around horses, and I'd never been around horses. And, but my grandfather was a Teamster in northern Michigan and used to log with them, with Belgian draft horses. And I just held this column. So through the horses, I started start, I finding this spiritual connection with the animals. And then in 2016, I was reading Michael Neal's book, The Inside Out Revolution. And the third time through it, And this line struck me um, and like the earth stopped turning, like for a moment, everything fell away. And I was like suspended somewhere I'd never been before. And it was like the saying of I've been, I'm living in the feeling of my thinking, not the feeling of the world. And I, I remember getting up and going into the bathroom mirror and looking in the mirror and really seeing myself and saying, what if that's true? What if that's true? And uh, so I, you know, I reached out to Michael. And, <laughs> you know, I said, what do you got your offering, you know? And he said, I got the super coach thing. And, uh, and then uh, later in 2017, I went through the, the process, which was transformative working with Michael and his yeah. amazing staff. Don't I know. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? You know, just, uh, literally, yeah, Yeah, literally. And that you know, it was like I just said, I gotta, how do I get this out in the world? You know, how I mean, how can I get this stuff in the world? So,
0: yeah,
1: it just that was kind of you know, that's kind of the process that's been going on for those years. And uh, and I, you know, and at, at one point, I was also, I had my own business, I was doing online selling. Cable management products. Had a company for my own. And I was running by myself for seven years, and but um, the horses and the grief work and the men's work, and then Michael Neal just spun something in where yeah. all of a sudden I'm like standing like on new ground, if that makes sense. And I didn't oh, yeah. have an idea, but where to go next. And I just trusted that the you know universal mind and. You know, the consciousness of the of the universe is going to reach out and show guide me, and it did. You know, it did, and uh, um, well, it's never been the same since.
0: That's that's a, that's a beautiful journey. Uh, the uniqueness of being uh, both in the United States Marine Corps and the United States Air Force. Uh, we have a term we use, which I think again just is so interesting. Being that you got into the equine work because we call formerly enlisted, who are now officers, Mustangs, yeah, right? So yeah. uh, I think that's pretty funny in itself. So that's total yeah. sidebar. There's yeah, the sidebar of it. Yeah, it's the sidebar. <laughs> but here's, a, here's an experience I had of the Marines. And then I wanted to hear a little bit about what you found interesting between the different cultures, because they, they were different. Oh, yeah. But uh, <laughs> I just got assigned to, to uh, Turkey, Insulik Air Base. And um, when you get there, they would give you three days off because of the different the bacteria in the ward and things like that. And you would get the, you know, diarrhea and you'd be vomiting. So they would give you the, the stuff to work that out before you came to work. Right. right. And um, I arrive, go sign into the unit. They send me straight on those three days. So I met no one in my leadership. I had some friends who were already who were coming through the base TDY to go somewhere else. And so we decided to go out one last time on the night of the town because, you know, they were friends from my last base.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I've tra- I'm transferred now. I won't see them again. We're going to go out one last big time. We go out and get into the largest fight on, on base, um, tearing up the NCO club or consolidated club at the time um, and getting in so much trouble. So, literally, we were fighting, though, a group of Marines. So, it, we were all Air Force security forces. Yeah. And so, we played basketball together. We hung out together. And the fight happened between me and the guy. He thought I was someone else. And I, he thought I was being smart when I said, it ain't me, because I just got here. And yeah. he was, like, oh, you want to get smart? You want to get smart? And then that's where the fight kind of just blew up. <laughs> but what was so interesting was a few things. Yeah. Um, when the fight went out on the radio and the, and the security forces showed up, higher headquarters uh, command chief was visiting. So it got immediately sent back up the chain to our MatchCon commander that there was a huge fight on Insulik between the cops and the Marines. And now we're a spectacle. Now, now higher headquarters is like, what are you going to do about that? So the wing commander decides to make us stay together for two weeks in a tent. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So the six cops, it was four of us and then five Marines had to stay together. And they only gave us, we had stuff to do every day but they only gave Air Force half of their stuff and they only gave the Marines half of the stuff so that we would have to talk.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh, And then we had to do presentations at the Leadership Academy on Air Force and um, and uh, Marine Corps operations and things like that. Got it. All right, but here's what that was so unique. We had to go to each other's job. Hmm. And so again, here we are in trouble already and we get to the Marine Corps job and it is like serious. Every time the warrant officer passes by, we gotta stand up, we gotta sit down. And so I go to the guy, I can't even remember his name, but I say I'm talking to you, I'm like, hey, Brad, and you go, no, it is Lance Corporal. And I'm like, Brad, we've been talking for, what are you talking about right now? If somebody (laughs) hear you call me anything other than Lance Corporal, we're both in trouble. Exactly. And I'm like, what? And then I started learning the way the Marine Corps moved. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I'm I'm not in I'm not in my world like I it is a totally different world over here because see I can ask questions I could I could in the Air Force you come fuss at me I can ask well what regulation is that and why are you so aggressive you know we can have a conversation Marine Corps wasn't like that no yeah how did you find the, the balance with the two how did you find that how did you deal with that?
1: Uh, You know, I had a, I had a pretty good break in service. I had seven years. Uh, Okay. Okay. So I had, I had my, my I got my bachelor's degree. Then I worked for three years in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And then I came back in the military as a second lieutenant at 29 years old. Uh, Oh, oh, man. 30 year old second lieutenant with Marine Corps. (laughs) And I'm an aircraft maintenance officer, which means right off the bat, I got 160 people I'm working for. Then. It just keeps doubling and doubling. So um it was, for a while, it was really difficult. I really, I didn't realize how much of my world had been colored by the Marine Corps lens. Mm. And I, I really bumped up against that a lot until I really had to say, you know what? I'm going to turn this disadvantage into an advantage. And I'm going to really realize, because I want to start talking to my enlisted guys. They're going like, you know, yes, sir, you've got a reputation already because, you know, you're 30 years old, you know, <laughs> you're a normal second lieutenant, and you've been enlisted Marine, and you're yeah. a sergeant that I was in E-5, and we're like, they already knew this stuff. And I'm like, oh, because like, I never talked about it, but people knew the grapevine knew. Yeah. Oh, of course the grapevine knew. And just yeah.
0: context for the audience is most second lieutenants are just out of college. Yeah. So they're normally had, this is their first time experiencing us in the military active duty after they've finished their either college degree or ROTC gotcha. program or whatever the case may be. So that's, that's just to set the context. So yeah, he's about seven fair. years too old here and he's <laughs> already got experience. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, you, cause we, <laughs> that's hilarious, but go ahead. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, so that just turned that into an advantage, you know, and I, it just preceded me, especially when I really stepped up, And you know, as a second lieutenant, first lieutenant, you know, I'm 32, 33, you know, and my peers are 24, 25, and I just used that as my advantage, my life experience in Marine Corps, you know, I was an assistant service manager at a pretty big Chevrolet store in Grand Rapids, so I had like 30 people working for mechanics, so I, you know, I had both, all this stuff, and I said, I'm just going to, Utilize all this and uh, and make this my real strength. And I did. and um,
0: Almost definitely. Because the major is not given. That one's earned.
1: No, it wasn't. (laughs) That that one's earned. Yeah, it was earned. And I ran seven fighter squadrons in my career. Um, F-15s, F-16s, F-15 E models, A-10s. Every fighter the Air Force had in the time, I got to lead those squadrons. And I was so incredibly blessed. And it was stressful, you know, and I lost guys, men and women, you know, on my watch to all those things that we lose losing to accidents, yeah. car accidents, motorcycle accidents, suicides, flight line accidents. I lost three men there. Um, and I didn't realize I had this incredible amount of anxiety that was running me because I was terrified I was going to lose more.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And
1: so that was running all the time. And also... This depression that I got from my childhood growing up as the oldest of seven and very, very poor background. And, you know, just thinking, how are we going to, we're, we're always in survival mode. So I had this survival mode that I didn't realize was going on for me. No. And, uh, you know, so, you know, through that time and even when I went through in 20, 2002, I had another suicide possibility. And, uh, you know, it was one of those things where I ended up getting sent downtown, at Phoenix General, a station at Luke Air Force Base, and as a major, and I was sent, put in this psych ward for two weeks. And uh, it ended up being, I was up looking on the edge, I was on the, on the edge, getting in the zone for Lieutenant Colonel, I'd done all the right things, I was tracking for that, and uh, that ended my promotional career.
0: I was never going to tell somebody. I need help because of what you just said. Yeah. What it meant to the ramifications of my career. Yeah. So if I tell you I need support mentally, you're going to take away my livelihood to take care of my family. Exactly. That's the way I drew the conclusion.
1: And, and, and it's very true, you know, especially as a you know, I can't speak so much for the enlisted cuz it wasn't anything I had at the time in the corps, but definitely you know, it became this thing where I got pulled out of the tracking for, you know, L.C., Lieutenant Colonel, and and uh, they said you can stay as a major grad if you want for five years, you know, and this was 2002, and I chose at that time to go ahead and pull the handles because I had 21 years in. Yeah. So that's where I went and seen an 06 Colonel at, at Luke, and that blew up a whole bunch of stuff, and then that's where I kind of, you know, ended up basically finding myself with this incredible amount of grief and fear and sa- sadness, and there was no place for it. You know what I mean? Oh. There wasn't anyone I could go to. I couldn't go back to him, um, and it happened after one of us on my second session with him, and um, you know, so I'm thinking, I'm just going to take my life.
0: Because
1: yeah. I was overwhelmed, and um, I, you know, I, I, I was tracking for all six. It was my dream, and now I'll
0: be honest with you, Rob. It was the best thing that happened to me. Yeah, I'd agree. It always ends up, man. Because my exit, yeah, my exit wasn't the 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 ending I would have wanted either. But it was the best ending that it could have been. It was yeah. time. Yeah, it was time. It was. It
1: time. was time. Yeah. Yeah. So.
0: So I'm going to throw us in a totally different direction now.
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: you now have this new spirituality, right? This new profoundness, this groundness. And how is it showing up, your newest program, Save a Warrior? How is, how is that keeping the fire lit, so to speak?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I, you know, five and a half years ago, I got a phone call from a woman that a a has a friend of mine had gone through the same equine certification program. And she worked at Save a Warrior. Back then we had a full day of equine. And she said, listen, somebody just quit. And they're, they're, all the providers before that have been women because there's no men doing this work. Mm. So she said, hey, I reached back to our teacher who's Ariana Strause and uh, teaches an incredible program. And she said, hey, you can need to reach out Brad. But Brad's a man, Brad's a veteran too, and he's done two branches of service. So she called me. And, uh, then about an hour later, um, uh, the operations, uh, gentleman called me and said, Hey, and we had about an hour long conversation. He said, and I was in Northern Michigan at the time. I had just bought a ranch. And I was living there. And they were in California, Malibu at the time. So we're going to fly you out. We want you to see what you can do for the equine program. And, uh, they were doing something completely against what I would consider doing. And mm-hmm. so when I got out there, I proposed that day, that I'm going to try something different. And yeah. was like, Who is this cat? That's, you know, we just, we know if he's going to make it. And he's now he wants to change the format for the equine and, uh, in the round pen work. And anyway, it worked. It worked really, really well. Yeah. And uh, So I kept coming back, coming back and, uh, you know, and then five cohorts later, I said, I want to do more. They said, you got to sit in the seat. I said, I don't want to take a seat from somebody that's more deserving. And they said, tough. If you want to (laughs) be part of this, you got to sit your butt in the seat. So I did in 055, that was cohort 055 in Malibu and it transformed my life. And I had already had the spirituality at the time with the, the understanding working with Michael Neal. In the work with the three principles, with the horse work and along with what they were looking at with family internal family systems, which was really that you have these four parts, you have a manager, the critical voice that talks to you, you have this firefighter that basically comes out of the bag when you can't figure it out with the manager, guess what we're going to blow this place up. (laughs) and then we got this other part the exile which is really your inner child this part of us that's got all the receipts but it's always in hiding because it's not safe and finally we have this true self the part of us that's the witness that's whole perfect and connected to everything and they had just brought that online when i started up in there as with internal family systems and i went oh my gosh there's my doorway there it is there i said (laughs) "There there it is Because the exile is all about the grief, about yeah. the unresolved grief that we're carrying in, in our families from basically developmental trauma or from their trauma as children. And then we don't have, a, especially for men, we don't have a place safe to be able to grieve that. Especially in the military, there's nowhere safe. yeah You know, the part who we really truly are in the world. And so that became my doorway. And I started weaving. Unknowns to the Sable Warrior, I started weaving that conscious, you know, universal mind, universal thought, and universal consciousness, just without using that terminology into the true self.
0: Yeah, love that story. How do you feel about the service now? Would you would you recommend a young man who's thinking about it go?
1: You know, it's interesting. I just had a my my youngest brother's son just went in the Air Force. Okay. And, uh, he went in and he was going to be, um, I forget the term for it, but basically these guys that work with pilots to basically take them and survival trade, teach them how to survive in the wild. Oh, sear school. sear school. Yeah, school, yep. He was yeah. going to be a SEER instructor in this. I instructor. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so, which is very small, very, very yeah, yeah. really small, very tough to get into. He worked for a year uh, before he signed up and went in. And then a month and a half in training, he basically – Torn his ankle Mm -hmm. and basically pulled him out. And now he's down in Louisiana doing, working on B 52s as a weapons guy. But for him, for Jack, it was a transforming experience for him, you know. And I talked to him up, I kept him in the loop, you know, I worked with him, especially when it turned south on him. Yeah. And I said, listen, you know, there's something going to show up here, you know, there's something here, but you're, you're a good young man, you're, and you're doing the good stuff there in the Air Force. You know, it's not for everyone. It's not for everyone. But I think, I know for myself, it was about being of service in a way that I wanted to be able to, um, that I never had an opportunity growing up, you know, doing that. But also, I come to find out, for now, doing the Sable Warrior work, and now I'm a facilitator, I would call a master integrator. I run a cohort from bell to bell for 72 hours for the men and 76 for the women. And it's very intense. I mean, it's 16 different disciplines put together in an innovative novel way that pulls apart the moral injury which happens to us from in adulthood, right? Which happens downrange and what happens on the streets. But it also, we really found that the thing underneath the thing for some of us is that we've got a ton of form of trauma. That happened in the first 18 years of life. Mm-hmm. And you know, the VA and a lot of other good therapists and people are trying to go after what they think the PTS is the part about moral injury, we call moral injury, which happens downrange and on the streets. But because the pills don't work for us, nope. and the and the, the talk therapy in most cases doesn't work because we're not getting to the thing underneath the thing, which is the formative trauma. And at Sable Warrior, we have a novel, innovative way to pull that apart. And that happens every two or three cohorts, Rob. So we are Sable Warrior, in my belief, and I've done a lot of programs over those 30 years before I got to SAW, the 25 years before I got to SAW. We are are one of the premier suicide prevention programs in the country. That is what's, wow. That's unbelievable. I know. It blew, it blew. I, I couldn't comprehend it when I first, st- we started doing ACEs and we started getting that data and we have all the data. Wow. Uh, but I'm glad you're there.
0: I am glad you're there. Given your experience with your own personal yeah. experience, I'm, I'm glad you're there in that seat. Mm-hmm. I, I really am. Thank you. man i i really appreciate this conversation i i I really do um but i am gonna let you have commander's call one last time for me (laughs) and so you know commander's call is when we would go listen to the commander tell us everything he needed to tell us um some of them were good commander's calls a lot of them i didn't hear what happened i didn't
1: hear a word yeah i didn't either
0: (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah, just one, tell, tell, tell people where they can support to save the warrior and you, the program, uh, where mm-hmm. to find you. And then just, just share, man. Uh, I've really enjoyed listening and learning. Uh, mm-hmm. But the floor is yours, my brother.
1: Oh, thank you, Rob. You're so kind. Appreciate that. I really appreciate. This is a long time coming for both of us. And uh, yeah. I'm so honored and privileged. And I'm really proud of you for all the work you're doing. Right there. You got to know that. Thank you. I'm tracking you. I always keep you in my, keep you in my view. And um, yeah, it's, um, you know, Save War has been around for 10 years. We're going on our 11th year. You know, we've got 2,100 alumni. Um, we are a nonprofit. We don't take any money from the VA or anywhere else. Um, we got a great benefactor up in Columbus, Ohio. That's a gentleman that's given us our property. Where we're rats, 350 acres. We're in. Um, Southern Ohio, and uh, the DAV has come on board here, with Disabled American Veterans, and uh, they helped us put the building up. Um, we got a um, $3.5 million brand new National Center for Excellence for Complex PTS that we built on the property, finished last June. We just finished a $1.5 million uh, lodges for people to now have places to stay right on the property. Um, we're, you know, building out uh, some new other facilities there. Um, and, you know, we we really believe that we're the, one of the premier suicide prevention programs in the country. Um, we have an aftercare program. We have a we have something called a 500-day plan that after you go through the saw experience, we take help to guide you through. Our shepherds and staff um, do that. Um, if people are stuck and you need coaching, I offer coaching when I'm not leading cohorts. I coach two or three alumni per day um, they just get on coach for free with me and I get them help work to get them unstuck um, and you know this whole thing about suicide in this culture um, in the military is the number 22 is not true they just came up with a new survey from one of the universities that they believe because of all the other things that aren't measured these accidents that happen that Mm-hmm. You know, all these things that they're thinking that numbers right around 43, 44, 45 per day. Wow. And that's even more heartbreaking. Mm. That, you know, in the conversation this hour, you know, one or two veterans have already taken their lives in this country. It's heartbreaking. And um, so to be part of this organization um, uh, with the Sable Warrior, it's, it's it's my purpose. I'm This is what I'm built for. This is what I'm going to do for the next 10 years, I've, already, I've been with them for five. I told them I'd give them another 10 if I'm still producing quality product and making a difference. Um, and if you know anybody that's suffering from that or curious about it, please go to saveaworry.org. Um, you'll find there you can do an application right on there. Fill that out. You push submit. You push the button submit. It's all purposeful. And then somebody within 72 hours will reach out to you and set, schedule a, a rostering call to see if you're a fit for us. Last year, we had 900 people apply and we put in the seed about 350. Because it's not for everyone, it's very intense. Um, if you've got a drinking problem or a drug problem, we will take you, we got a sponsorship program. We will help you we'll take you through the steps of recovery. We will help sponsor, get a sponsor for you. And if you want to get sober, and you have to be sober before you sit in the seat, we call it dry wood. You have to be part of the sponsorship program and for a certain amount of time, and then we'll let you sit in the seat. You know, it's a lot to ask of people because we, you know, people are we're in denial, especially as warriors and first responders, about the pain that we're in, and we're very much a culture of numbing. You know, we've got a lot of ways with alcohol, drugs, porn, sex. You know, spending money we don't have, gambling, all those things, codependent relationships, all those things that nobody talks about, especially as men and women in the military, that there's no, you know, there's not a understanding of it at all. It's not talked about as a resource. And it's free. Most of those rooms are anonymous, are all free, but you got to be courageous to walk in and stick your hand out and say, Here, I'm here, and learn from those people that are in the rooms. So, um, yeah, I, I just, I'm incredibly blessed in my life over the last 30 years, um, what I've been able to do. And in the military gave me that income and allowed me with my 30 days leave to take time off and go through trainings and go do these things. As a, uh, you know, I'm a trained shadow work facilitator, trained grief facilitator, four gateways coach. I'm a transformative coach. And, uh, and I found the one place through the trust of Jay Clark, the founder, who brought me on as staff and had me move from Northern California to Southern Ohio and said, we we got a place for you, we need you. And, uh, and now I feel that my military service was something I'm very, very, always be very proud of, but to be able to work with warriors and first responders and really help them in three days to be able to transform their lives, there's nothing better. And to know that we're all, whole, perfect, and connected to everything. If we just come back and let our thinking settle and drop into our hearts and drop into our wisdom, that um, we can connect with each other, regardless of our backgrounds, regardless of our colors, regardless of our political things. We're, we're so much more alike than we are different. And that really gives me hope as we continue to work with you know, these warriors for their families and their children Because I believe this work, we're healing the next seven generations coming. And we're also healing the seven generations behind us, our lineage, that are all on the other side in the formless, rooting for us. Because what gets healed here, heals back there too. And so that's what I want to leave you with, is that the power of being able to do this work and help people to really see who they really are and break through their denial and know they were just love. All will ever be is love.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode. For more information about the podcast, please go to 3pgc.org. If you're looking for more information about how to become a practitioner or you want to be featured on the show as a new fresh voice in the principles, send us an email at info at 3pgc.org. We'd love to hear from you. Knowing there is no end or limitation, nor are there boundaries to the human mind. Have the day you deserve.